Warriors, and welcome to another episode of Chevrons, the podcast The Enlisted Force. I am Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan, and I'm going to be your host today. And today we have a special day. I've had the opportunity over the last six months to spend a great deal of time with the State Command Chief of New York, Denny Richardson, and explore some enlisted opportunities that they do and work some of their enlisted development programs and listen to his podcast. And I just felt that he would be an outstanding addition to this episode of Chevron's. And in keeping with the flavor of always having a junior enlisted person, we have the very outstanding Security Forces Tech Sergeant Frederick Freeman joining him. So gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Hey Chief, uh, thank you very much for having us. And, um, you know, I become a fan of uh, Chevron's. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, as you mentioned, you know, I, I have my own podcast, uh, Journey Through Leadership. Thank you for that plug. Greatly appreciated. Uh, but Chevron's, um, you know, is a, another uh, fantastic platform um, in allowing our members uh, to share their story. So I appreciate uh, what you and your team uh, are doing, you know, and taking advantage of, uh, you know, technology and innovation and uh, getting our members uh, voices out there because that's what it's all about. So thank you again, Chief, for having us on. No, I, I appreciate it. And, and thank you for jumping on. Um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, a, it's an awesome podcast for anybody who has not um, had the opportunity to uh, listen to uh, Journeys Through Leadership. It is just outstanding. Some of the material that comes out, uh, I mean, it, you just have a, a, a cast of favorites that I'm uh, just, you know, your, your Carly Young's your senior airman, Carly Young's, I still think is my absolute favorite. And you have had General LaBarge on there. You have had uh, SDA Whitehead. You have had some outstanding leaders. But the point I'm trying to make is you can learn so much about development and leadership from listening to the voice of you know, your, your rising six in particular, uh, which brings me to Tech Sergeant Freeman. I'm going to start with you with the first question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your military story and what is your current position? Yes, sir. Um, so uh, thank you for having me on here. So right now I'm uh, currently a recruiter. Uh, my primary FSC was uh, security forces. I transitioned to recruiting and it was all because of uh, State Command Chief Richardson. Um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a great journey. Uh, I joined back in 2013 as a security forces member. Uh, joined the guard, wanted to go to college, just just like everybody else or anybody else that wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. And uh, through that, I got my I got my degree in uh, cybersecurity. Uh, went to the comm shop, worked in comm for a little bit, and then uh, one day, uh, State Commander Richardson came to me and said, "Hey, Star Freeman, I need you in recruiting." <laughs> I said, um, "Okay." <laughs> Okay, let's. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I think I, I think I have the personality, and he concur with that. And then um, I put in an application, um, and through his mentorship and his guide, his guidance, um, I was able to get selected for this position. And it's been a, it's been a phenomenal position, being able to help our civilian counterparts to find their course and their journey of where they they belong in our Air National Guard. So, so yeah, that is that is the journey that I've had so far in the past uh, nine years, going on nine years right now. So in nine years, you have advanced to the rank of tech sergeant and have found your, sounds like your dream job. I have. I have, sir. I have. Through, through talent management and mentorship, huh? Yes, sir. That is correct. 
Well, that brings me to the talent manager of the state and the state mentor, Chief Richardson. <laughs> same same question. Tell us a bit about yourself and and beyond the bio. Um, you know, we, I, I I know you through your bio, but uh, what's your background? How did you end up in the Air Force, and what's prompted you or in the National Guard? What's prompted you to stay on this journey? Oh, wow. Thank you um, again uh, for allowing me to be a part of this platform. And uh, hey, Sergeant Freeman, um, you know, just to piggyback on what he said is, uh, you know, it's all about finding that young talent and pushing them out their comfort zone and challenging them, you know, and he was willing uh, to come outside his comfort zone and step up to that challenge. You know, one thing about Sergeant Freeman and the reason why I invited him to, to join me on this is that he has something, one of those tangibles that you cannot teach. And that's an attitude, a positive attitude built for success. I have never seen this young man have a bad day in his life. And if he does, and if he does have a bad day, he doesn't show it or wear it on his sleeve. So that attitude is going to continue to propel him, you know, to wherever he wants to go. So Sergeant Freeman, hats off to you, my friend. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. So, so, um, so in saying that, um, man, my uh, journey, I've been, uh, I've been a guard baby. I've been in the guard, um, all my, my whole entire career, um, uh, which spans, uh, 32 and a half years. Um, so I've never been active duty. My reason for joining, and man, people laugh at this, man. <laughs> my reason for joining is because I was bored. I was literally bored, you know? So I was, uh, I was from born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, you know, my cousin and I, we were just, you know, not getting in any trouble. We're just walking around. We work during the day or during the night. Um, and then we just go hang out at the mall, eat some pizza, go to the movies, go play some video games. We weren't really doing much. And, you know, and he said, hey, man, let's join the Air Force. And I said, huh? The Air Force? I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. You know, so we joined uh, because we were actually bored, you know, and we were looking for other avenues and other things to do with our life, something more meaningful. You know, and, you know, our main reason for joining was just to get some money for college, you know, so that we can go to college. Um, you know, so I only really plan to do, you know, my first four years and then get out, uh, you know. But what's more uh, meaningful is why I stayed. What kept me stayed, you know. And folks, we always tell our folks about finding your why. You know, not only did I find my why, but I found my purpose early on. You know, and that sense of family, that sense of belonging, that sense of being a part of something that was bigger than yourself, it captured me, you know, and not only were I motivated by some of the folks that took a chance on me or took an opportunity on me, I was also motivated by those bad seeds, you know, those folks that I ran into that I said, you know what, I'm going to be a better chief, you know, than that person, you know, so those bad seeds actually helped me and kept me motivated, you know, and helped me find my purpose to continue, you know, to serve, you know, at a high level, you know, and when I talk about serving at a high level, I'm talking about doing whatever it takes to make sure that young airmen like Sergeant Freddie, like Freddie Freeman have what they need to be successful. And I'm a full believer in what got me here will not get them here. Some of it will, you know, but not all of it. So I have to be comfortable, you know, in myself and confidence in myself to be able to go and reach them where they are and walk them along the journey to help them get to where I am. You know, so you know, that's my motivation. That, that's my story. I mean, of course, um, like I said, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I joined the 175th Airlift Wing. 
Um, and then I transitioned to the New York uh, National Guard as part of the 109th Airlift Wing uh, up in Schenectady, New York, uh, where Sergeant Freeman is uh, currently serving right now. Um, and they have the mission um, of flying to Antarctica and Greenland. Uh, so, so I had the pleasure of flying to, um, to Antarctica uh, for 15 years in a row. Um, so um, they, you know, that, that's my leadership story. I never looked back from being here in uh, New York. Um, I continue to, to serve. I continue to be motivated and inspired um, by our young members. And, you know, and I'm going to continue to do what we do, Chief Sullivan, uh, from the state level uh, to make sure you know, that our members you know, are not only built for today's fight, but also built for tomorrow's fight as well. Have you been a uh, uh, DSG through most of your career or were you bouncing back through different statuses? Because uh, we have a lot of uh, drill status guardsmen uh, in, in, uh, you know, across the 90. And I know sometimes they feel that they don't have the same opportunity to, to exceed and to uh, advance and, and move forward. And I think as a guard, we're doing a much better job with that now. Uh, when I look around, I think we're doing a much better job allowing our DSGs the opportunity. But have you uh, vectored into all the different categories? Yeah, so I was a drill status guardsman uh, for my first seven years. Um, and then I uh, transitioned over to AGR when I came up to, uh, to New York. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Our drill status guardsmen are, are the backbone of, of, what, of who we are. Um, as an Air National Guard, we are a part-time force. Majority of our members, about 70% are part-timers, are drill status guardsmen. And I believe that us making that transition from a strategic reserve to an operational force, we've kind of lost you know, sight of that. We kind of lost sight of our drill status guardsmen. Now, we have gotten a little bit better you know, at bringing awareness to it you know, that our drill status guardsmen make us. You know, so we have to be able to full timers, we have to be able to slow down. You know, so when we get to that drill weekend, you know, we're we're going 100 miles an hour as full timers. And when it gets to drill weekend, we continue to go 100 miles an hour. You know, but when we going that fast, guess who we're missing? We're missing our drill status guardsmen. Our drill status guardsmen, you know, they they were not getting the same opportunities, you know, as all our full time staff. So. So, and we've done a better job, but we can get better at slowing down a little bit when it comes to drill weekends so that we can recognize and make sure that our drill status guardsman has every opportunity to be successful as our full-time staff. It's kind of staying on this, that topic, um, uh, our, the way that the Air National Guard and the Air Force has, has a culture change initiative to mm. empower and to remove bureaucracy and to really focus on enlisted development. And this question is for both of you, and I'm gonna start with you, Tech Sergeant Freeman. Uh, what do you think is the most pivotal part that's really gonna make this work and take effect at your level? This culture change with enlisted development and developing better, better people as well as better airmen. Wow, um, so that's, uh, that's an interesting question, Chief, uh, because um, in the position I'm currently in, as a recruiter, it, it really starts with, with us. We are the face of the Air National Guard. We are the face of the Air Force as, as we are working on this whole total, total force concept. Um, so it starts with us, right? Because when we bring that individual here or we meet that individual at, a, at an event, they see us in the uniform. 
Um, we have to present ourselves in a professional manner for them to want to be part of this organization. Um, and I, I was very fortunate enough to go to uh, the time conference out of Massachusetts. And that was a huge moment for myself because I got to meet a lot of different people from different states. I got to talk to other recruiters from other states to see what they were doing and what different tools that they were bringing to the table to allow them to be able to achieve success and bring in the right talent to our organization. Um, recently had the opportunity to have um, a couple of civilians here on the installation. And one of the questions that they asked was, do we, when we recruit, do we want older individual in a sense of people in their thirties? And I told her, I said, we want those people. Those are the kind of talents that we want because if you look at somebody in their thirties, right? They've had so much experience on the civilian side that on the Air Force, we're so behind with that kind of experience and that talent that we want, that we want that individual here so that they can bring that, that experience that they have on the civilian side to the military. Uh, because so, so often, like Chief said earlier, as full-timers, we forget the talent that our guardsmen have, um, that we have to be able to utilize that and allow them to, to give them that freedom, to be able to, that free range, to be able to bring that here so that we can become a successful force. That's excellent. I, I, I have to point out one thing that you are incorporating the civilian voice in the recruiting process. That is, is innovative to me. And I just think that that's just, that that is just going to unlock so much hidden potential of bringing in the right people especially now when, uh, I, I don't know how New York's numbers are, are faring, but it's getting more and more difficult to recruit good talent through a, a variety of, of, of situations. Uh, but just seeing that, 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 that's innovative. That's excellent. That is just a, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, we, we're trying anything and everything that we can. Um, and really it's, it's, um, like I said, the recent tour that we had was with the Chamber of Commerce, right? And with the Chamber of Commerce, they have so many different organizations in them that they facilitate, right? They work with so many not-for-profit, for-profit organizations. And having those individuals come here to tell our story, to tell them what we are and the opportunity that we can provide their civilian employers, I feel like that gives them that ownership for them to be able to take that back to their employers. And if they're having a conversation with Susan, right? And Susan is like, man, I'm, I'm lost. I'm I'm paying a lot in healthcare. I, I, you know, I don't, I want some sense of security because our company might, you know, might get acquired. Well, you know what? Hey, Susan, have you thought about joining the Air National Guard? Um, you know, we, and we told these individuals anytime that they want to do a tour, bring their employers here to do a tour. We're more than happy to do that because at the end of the day, the basis, as much as it is ours, it belongs to the civilians as well, uh, because without them, we wouldn't be here. That's why we're citizen soldiers. Uh, that that is so key in selling that point to employers that if you let us borrow your employee, we are going to give you back a better employee, a better worker, and a better human being. Because I fully believe that when you embrace the the Air Force culture, when you embrace the Air National Guard culture, uh, when you um, when you live the ACAs, the you know, and and you are actually developing as a talent. You actually develop into a better human being, a better employee, a better all-around person in life, and that is such a big give back to employers. So that that you're doing that is just that's that's awesome, and I'm sure it's paying huge dividends. 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Chief, you're at a slightly higher level being the senior enlisted leader for the New York Air National Guard. How are uh, you working uh, towards this, this pivotal culture change? Oh, yeah, Chief, you're absolutely right. It is a uh, pivotal culture change of how we actually are uh, doing business, um, how we you know, educate, how we train you know, our members um, is a lot different um, than when you and I, you know, the, the, the old timers here, uh, you know, was educated and trained uh, when we were when we were coming up. And, you know, when I think about this, um, I go back to um, the former uh, Air National Guard Command Chief, Chief Anderson, you know, and one of his philosophies was that he wanted to make sure that when you see a chief master sergeant, whether that person was an active duty reserve or the Air National Guard, you see one person, you see a chief master sergeant, and we were all that, you know, being trained and developed the same way. So he focused heavily on making sure that his chief master sergeants were competitive and, and were up the par that, you know, with, you know, our, our brother and sister components. And what I've seen from Chief Williams is, is that he's, not just maintain, but he's also make sure that those chief master sergeants continue to de develop, but he's taking it one step further, you know, and now he's really focused on developing the E7 and the E8s, you know, and I'm sure you, you know about his course down there, the uh, senior NCO enhancement course. That's what it's all about. It's all about developing uh, those uh, supervisors and those senior NCOs once they become senior NCOs so that when they get to that chief master sergeant piece, they already have, they already have been, uh, have that foundation established, you know? So as you can see, you know, the trend, you know, it is there, you know? So I strongly believe, and hopefully that trend will continue that when Chief Williams is gone, the next person will continue that trend and focus on that development of that E5 and, and that E6. And that's the philosophy that we're taking here in uh, in New York. Um, and then not just as the state level, you know, but you know, by us having so many wings, we have five wings and we have the Eastern Air Defense Sector. Each one of the wing command chiefs, they do a phenomenal job, you know, at developing their force. Their professional development programs are, you know, are outstanding. And they have broken it down, you know, and they have said, you know, hey, if you are uh, a senior airman, these are the things that you should be focused on. These are those development items that you should actually be, um, be seeking. Um, you know, if you are a staff sergeant, once you make staff sergeant, you know, hey, you should be going to this airman development course. So they have actually broken it down to that lowest common denominator all the way down to the grassroots of where that person becomes a senior airman and what that member needs, you know, to be successful in today's organization. You know, I, I kind of say this all the time, and um, if, if you bear with me, um, there is a, um, a five-step process that I feel we owe our airmen as leaders, we owe our airmen these five things. You know, first, training. We need to make sure that our members are trained correctly and they're trained properly. Now, here's the trick part, the tricky part to that. Not trained the way that we were trained, but trained the way that they need to be trained, you know, to be successful. You know, secondly, you know, once we train them, we need to watch and observe and make sure that the training that we just gave them, that they understand it and they can, they can apply it. You know, and they are proficient at it, you know, because if they're not, then maybe we need to go back to that training piece and say, all right, you didn't get it. So 
let's try to train a different way. Let's maybe uh, give you a different trainer. Uh, you know, so maybe you're a um, a, a visual learner. Um, uh, you know, rather than a rather than a book learner, try different ways to make sure that that person gets it. Uh, you know, so after we watch and observe that, and make sure that member gets that training. The third part is that we have to equip our members. You know, and you know, we as as everyone knows, you know, we are in a uh, constrained resource environment right now. You know, so we have to be innovative. You know, when we talk about equipping our members. You know, or being able to to find you know those those creative ways to make sure our members have what they need to be successful to go out and do their job. And then uh, fourth, empowerment. Empowerment is huge. Now that we've done all this work, we've trained them, we've equipped them, they get it. Now we have to empower them to actually go out and do the job. And not only go out and do the job, but empower them to take that whole process and have the ability to break it down to the lowest common denominator and build it back up and find inefficiencies you know, in those processes. Um, and then fifth, trust. We have to trust that they're going to be able to go out and do the job and, and not be micromanaged. But we also have to trust so much to know that they're going to make mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. But if we put the work in at the front end with that training, watching and observing and making sure that they get it, the mistakes that they make on the back end will be minimal. But they are going to make mistakes and it's up to leaders for us not to overreact you know, to, their, to their mistakes. Uh, you know, so you know, you know, that's my philosophy. You know, that's what we're trying to get after here um, in, in New York State. Um, and, you know, we open up, as you know, Chief, um, and you've done a, a phenomenal job at opening up. Uh, you have been the, the, uh, the father of the time conference. I um, mean, you have opened up, you know, slots and seats to allow others to come over and, and be a part of that. You know, so, so we're just following your model uh, here in New York. And, and anything that we do here in New York, um, our regional partners, we invite you all to, to come over to be a part of. And I've definitely uh, taken advantage of uh, of a lot of that and making connections with uh, a lot of great leaders uh, at all levels in New York State. And that's the one thing I'm trying to, uh, if, if I can get one message out in this podcast to our listeners, and we, we have a broad arena of listeners. They're not just Massachusetts Guardsmen. Uh, this podcast is, is kind of permeated because of the guests that we have are from all over. So this goes out to the entire force. Don't stovepipe your liaisons, your opportunities and the things you do within your wing or within your state. When these opportunities come down to have, an, to, to have a chance to go to a leadership conference in New York State or to do a, uh, a tour at NGB, uh, the, 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 uh, one of the uh, NCO or one of the officer tours for the officers that are listening to have that opportunity to go there and to get outside your wing and to see how things are done and what else you can branch into. I think there's just huge value in that. Uh, with New York having come to the time conference and, and now New York's putting a time conference on, I know that's paid dividends for you. And yeah. us going to your SEL conf uh, conference has, is going to pay dividends to Massachusetts. So there's no, uh, I guess there's easiest way to put it. There's no copyright infringement rights when it comes to developing talent within the National Guard or in the total force. 
There is none. We have to do it as a total force because if we do not, then as uh, Chief of Staff of the Air Force said, if we don't accelerate our change and change our thinking and quit stovepiping and hiding behind bureaucracy, we will lose. And fortunately, I've seen us gain some ground the last couple of years since that message got put out. And yes, uh, yes yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we are, uh, we, we're, we're accelerating as a force. Uh, you know, so uh, Chief Master of the Air Force, she just put out this phenomenal document uh, by her enlisted development team called the Blueprint. Um, and, you know, and also she just redid all the, the brown and the blue books. And within 90 days, within 90 days, those three documents pretty much hit the street, hit the streets from when they started the process you know, to uh, to the finish. You know, that's unheard of, you know, to get documents like that out you know, in, in 90 days, you know. And, and, and I want to say one more thing about, uh, about knowledge. That, you know, knowledge is, you know, the old adage is, is that knowledge is power. You know, so that if, if you are a supervisor and you have all the knowledge, they can't fire you. They can't get rid of you because they need you. Uh, you know, our new mindset, you know, should it, it's all about taking that knowledge, that information, you know, these courses that we're doing, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to New York State. It's designed to be projected forward. You know, knowledge belongs to us all, you know, and the more knowledge that we can get out, you know, the more that we can share information and share our programs, the better we're going to be as an Air National Guard enterprise. And that's one of the messages I try to send ac across the spectrum to, uh, to, to all airmen, no matter if it's they're, they're boarding for promotions or they're looking at developing programs within their state or within their wing is to stop competing it's not a competition because we lose when we compete with each other. But when we combine forces and we grow with each other, that's when you win. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you've gone to a promotion board and you don't get it. You're not competing against your peers. You're growing with them. You're creating with them. And the same is true with opportunities across the state. As you know, we create together, we're going to be creating a better environment and a better airman and a better Air National Guard, and a better Air Force to better equip us for the fight ahead. Amen. Uh, early on, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, about people that have made a difference in your career, uh, just kind of like glance on it. I'd like to go back to that. I'm going to start with Tech Sergeant Freeman. Uh, is there a person in your career who really made a difference, whether positive or negative, a mentor, teammate, have that has really made a difference in your career and how. And one caveat here, we already know what an impact Chief Richardson has had on your life. You gotta pick somebody else. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. yeah, so, yeah, man, cause I'm running out of money here, man. I already gave you one 20 <laughs> So it's a, it's a very, it's, a, it's hard because with nine years I've met so many people and I've had so many mentors uh, through my nine years of experience. And I'll currently say where I am right now, um, my, my current supervisor, uh, Sergeant Fiorillo, he's been phenomenal uh, in the position that he's in. We, we recently, our, our flight chief for recruiting, got called to go to the state to really help the whole state with recruiting. And the wing basically called out upon him and said, hey, Tag, you're it. You're now in charge of recruiting. And with no recruiting experience, he came in and he's made the office 
phenomenal. Um, he's been able to present our leader, our leadership with what we do, how we do what we do, and be able to acquire some funding for us to be able to do things outside the box. And he has been every information that he gets and all the knowledge that he gets, just like Chief Richardson said earlier, he has the knowledge and knowledge is power, but he disseminated that information to us. Uh, recently, he, he uh, one of the big things that he told us that I wasn't aware of myself was with the special duty assignment that I'm in, he encouraged us to go back to our primary FSC and, and, and keep getting our levels, right? Sit down with the shop. And if we're five level, try to get the seven level, keep maintaining that, uh, that level so that if down the road, you decide to go back, it'll be beneficial to, uh, to us uh, as the members. And that's, I never knew that, right? And that was something that he could have kept to himself, but he's always trying to empower us and always trying to share that knowledge with us and anything that he's had I believe he's been in the military for 20 years plus and he's just been he's so knowledge uh he has so much knowledge that he just keeps on disseminating that information to us um and he's never shy from if you know if you forget you don't remember you you need more information he's not shy of hey let's sit down let's figure it out let's look at the regs let's you know he he is he's definitely a great mentor um that i've acquired through my career and i'm glad to be in the position that i am to be able to have had him as supervisor. And I know he's gonna move on to bigger and better things. So he's definitely somebody that has, has helped me out through my career and where I am right now. Uh, that you have provided me with so many takeaways that I can talk to our recruiting force with. I'm sure they're doing a lot of it. We have great recruiters in Massachusetts. They're doing a great job. They're unsung heroes. Uh, but, but you bring up a good point, you know, your mentor, explain to you, stay on top of your, your, your career field, stay on top of your progressions. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm sure there are situations where recruiters go to leave the field and it becomes a placement issue and a catch-up issue. So that, that's pretty valuable. It is. Valuable. It is. Yeah, very valuable. So if, if I could, uh, Chief Sullivan, uh, you will appreciate this because uh, Senior Fiorello was a former first sergeant. Uh, you know, so yeah, so uh, leadership, you know, that that's just leadership at its finest. That's talent management. That's saying that, hey, I can take you as a leader and place you uh, and push you outside your comfort zone and place you in any organization, any part of the organization, and you will be successful. Awesome. Chief, same question for you. Oh man, so 32 years, man, there, there has been a, um, a lot of folks that have made an impact um, in my life um, and in my career. And um, gosh, man, if I can, um, <laughs> I don't know, um, I don't know how to choose, uh, you know, um, just one, uh, you know, I mean, we can start at the very beginning uh, with, with my mother, um, you know, may she uh, rest in peace. Um, or we can go to the folk, the, the person that took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity. Um, Jerry started, uh, who continues to be uh, my mentor uh, to this day. Um, he, um, you know, my, I talk about my mother so much. Um, I think I want to talk about Jerry started a little bit um, because he is uh, he has been so inspirational um, in my career. Um, like I said, he hired me um, uh, to the 109th. And he didn't know me uh, from from Boo. 
Um, and we kind of connected and we hit it off um, on the interview when, when I came up for the interview. Um, and my plan wasn't to stay in New York. Um, my plan was to do a couple of years and then uh, transition back to Baltimore, back to my home. And when I first got to New York, um, I struggled. I struggled uh, big time. I struggled to fit in. Uh, you know, I was probably one of the few uh, African-Americans uh, there on the base. And I really, really was having a tough time. Um, and I didn't know anyone. I had no friends. I had no family. So I struggled to fit in. And I remember him sitting me down and he said, here's, here's some advice for you. Here's three things. <clears throat> he said, be yourself, trust your gut, and never stop building credible relationships. Those three things that he said to me meant so much and three things that I continue to use, you know, to this day, uh, whether I'm in uniform or whether I'm out of uniform, uh, you know, so when the opportunity came for me to go back to Baltimore, you know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave because this man uh, not only was a solid leader, not only became a mentor, he became a friend. He invited me to his house. Um, you know, to, um, you know, um, the, for, for family dinners, uh, you know, and uh, his son was actually in my wedding, uh, <laughs> you know, so he became that, you know, such an impact and an inspiration to me. And to this day, you know, if I, when I call him, he always has something impactful to say, always has something impactful to say, you know, and, and, um, you know, I just cannot uh, thank him enough. And I couldn't imagine myself being in a position I'm in right now, if he wouldn't have took a chance or took an opportunity on me, you know, back in 1997. And that that's what it, I think it means the most when it comes to, to mentorship or to people that impact your life, you know, they're taking a chance on you. And it goes back to something that we were saying, we were talking about our full-time force, you know, feeling like, because they're operational all the time, they have to pick up the ball and they have to uh, do more during uh, RSDs. We have to be able to trust and to let go. And, and I think that goes the longest way to being a mentor. I mean, I, 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 I'm bringing it in full circle. One of my mentors was back when I was a young Marine and it was a Sergeant who just simply let me lead. He just simply let me go out, uh, coached me a little bit on my failures, but he trusted me enough to empower me to go out and do the job. And mm -hmm. I, that, that to me, from what, exactly what you're saying, uh, Chief, is, is a big take home. So for people listening in, you know, empower your airmen. If you want to mentor them, it doesn't, it, it, sometimes it's not a huge commitment of time and effort. It's just trusting them and letting them go. And then making sure they stay level. Like you were saying, you know, you, you train them, you observe them, you equip them, and then you empower them and you trust them. Yes. And if you go through that five-step process, you can tell I write things down when you talk. <laughs> said, I, that's why I love your podcast. For those of you who have never listened to the podcast, uh, I, I would say General Labarge with learning, earning, and returning was a big take yeah. home. Uh, Chief Whitehead with maintaining somebody's uniqueness when you develop them as a leader. I mean, there's just so much there. And that's another one right there from you, Chief, another good tidbit. So I appreciate every conversation I have with you and your airmen. Yes, yes, I appreciate it too. I, I learned so much uh, from, from those young airmen. They are so bright. 
Um, and they have so much to offer and so much to give, you know. And, you know, here's the thing, man. You know, I started that podcast almost uh, two years ago. Um, we're on season two right now. And, uh, you know, the more folks are listening uh, to the stories of their members, the more want to come on and tell their story. So I have <laughs> I have um, I have a lineup, uh, you know, uh, throughout the rest of the year of uh, folks who actually want to come on and share this story and tell their story. So and it's all about them, you know, and I'm sure Chief Sullivan, you, you and I, uh, we are like uh, in that uh, in that standpoint is that this podcast isn't about us. This podcast isn't about you. You know, it's about the guests. It's about the airmen that that come on. You know, it's about them, you know, sharing their story and their unique stories, you know, with with, with everyone, you know, and that's what it's all about. If you can bring back something from every conversation, you know, every podcast you listen to, if you can get something out there or you can you can provide somebody with that little tidbit. That, that little nuance that can help them in their career. That's what it's all about. Yes. You know, leaving, leaving the breadcrumbs so that they can find their own trail to where they want to go. And that's, and, and, and that is just something, that's why I love your podcast. That's why I love, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with Airmen. Uh, going to miss this one. It's gone. It's a great ride. Uh, yeah. But we still have some time. Yeah, you still have some time. So when speaking of breadcrumbs, I'm going to leave a trail of breadcrumbs from Massachusetts to New York so that you can join me on Journeys Through Leadership. <laughs> Would love to. Would love to. All right. Because it, it, it is a journey. And I want to stay on that topic because there's something that you had mentioned early on, Chief, uh, you know, uh, how it's different now than it was for us. And I think it's it's hard for people to have that mental perspective. People like it, it at our level, Chief, where we look back and, and we think about how it was back then and how it is now. And somebody like you, Sergeant Freeman, us old dinosaurs, we talk about, you know, back in the day coming in and they said, go in the corner and color. And it's just such a foreign concept. You can't, you can't even grasp it. I mean, try to do that with a with one of our, our, our super smart, uber motivated young airmen coming down the pipeline now, I mean, that, that'll disreal you. So what are some of the changes that, that, that you've seen? How was it early on in your career? I'm going to start with you, Chief, uh, being yeah. the senior leader. Early on in your career, what kind of support did you get from leadership as far as professional development is concerned? And uh, how has it changed now? How is that 180 wheel? Oh. <laughs> 180, I would say 360, <laughs> because the professional development, you know, that we are seeing now uh, for our young airmen uh, is unprecedented. I mean, you know, when when I was a staff sergeant or a tech sergeant, there was for me, there was no professional development. There was no professional development. The only professional development um, that was pushed our way uh, was go get your CCAF, go get your civilian education. Uh, you know, and and that was it, uh, you know, and so, and I did, I accomplished that, you know, got the CCAF, got my civilian education, you know, but that was the extent of the professional development. You know, back then it was more about experiences. It was more about the lessons that you learned. You know, it was more about being challenged and being pushed out of your comfort zone to see how much you could handle um, as a leader. Uh, you know, that's how we grew, you know, that's, that's how we developed that, you know, you know, back then. Now, you know, we are really, really 
good at, you know, providing our members, you know, uh, that development from day one. If you look at how, and we had to adapt, the Air Force had to adapt. They had to adapt because the young members that are coming in today were not us. You know, so they know that they're going to have to be there. They need to be, you know, trained differently. You know, how they receive information is, is different. They, you know, they grew up differently. They grew up in an age or in an era of technology, you know, where, you know, if they met a new person or, or, create, or made a new friendship, normally it was done behind their telephone, you know, on uh, Snap. What is it? Snap, crap, snap, track or Snapchat, Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, so that's how they, you know, meet their their uh, friends. You know, that's how they meet their met their new new acquaintances. So, you know, so just imagine that. Just imagine taking a young trainee and the first time they get off the bus and that, you know, and, you know, now they have to have that face to face interaction with an MTI, uh, you know, and with other members, you know. That's a tough transition to make for them, you know? So I think the Air Force has got it right. I think they adapted their style without sacrificing the discipline and the standards of what it means to be a professional air. They just adapted their leadership style, their style just a little bit, you know, so that they can get the most out of that trainee to turn them into productive airmen, you know? And, and, and that's a lesson for us all. You know, we have to be adaptable leaders. You know, we have to understand, you know, that that airman, that young airman that we are receiving back into our organization was is not us and was trained differently, you know, than we were trained. You know, and not only do we have to understand that we have to respect it. We have to respect it. To me, a successful leader is a leader who's able to take members, you know, and motivate and inspire them to achieve, you know, set objectives and goals. If you are not effective at it, and in order for us to do that, we have to be adaptable. We have to be adaptable, you know, because the same way I can speak to a Chief Sullivan, I cannot speak to an A1C Sullivan, you know, that, that same way. So we have to be able to adapt our leadership style. But for professional development, when I came up, uh, it was totally different to what the members are receiving now, which is which is phenomenal because that means that we see the value in that. You know, and I think I said it before, what got us here or what got me here won't get them there. You know, so I need to make sure and understand that they have those tools, you know, to be successful. And it comes from professional development, not just for today's fight, but for the future fight as well. a lot there and i couldn't i couldn't agree more in the changes and how important it is but you you brought up something that ties in what we were talking about before uh and that is taking your young airmen and including them making sure that they're included in the process and making sure that you allow them to do what they need to do to succeed sometimes a little bit of failure leads to even better success but you're yes. right that's that's how we learned it was it was it was almost like there was a secret decoder ring out there that nobody right. really had the code to crack to that, you know, to develop yourself and nobody knew you. And all they kept doing is put you into positions. And if you didn't fail, they give you the next thing. If you didn't <laughs> fail, um, probably not the 
best way to develop a leader, but it did, it did develop some resilient people, but you end up at the end of it and you're so caustic. You're so like, you know, bitter from the system that, that brought you there that I do think we're doing a really great job. Um, that's a long-term perspective of the 30 years plus that you and I have both been involved in the system. But what about you, Sergeant Freeman? I mean, from 2013 to now, what are the changes you've seen? So one of the biggest things that I've seen is that um, was when, when I first came in, uh, I'll use ALS, for example. A lot of ALS was, you had, for guardsmen, we didn't really have a lot of options of doing going in residence. It was always active duty had that preference of in residence. And I remember, um, I'm just going to keep on saying it, Command Chief Richardson at that time, he was, this, he was our command chief. And he dismissed information down from uh, Guard Bureau, basically saying, hey, our guardsmen should have that option to go in residence for ALS, for, um, for our PMEs. So I got the opportunity to get selected. I went to ALS. And actually, I'm going to bring it back to uh, my, one of my ALS instructor, who recently was my NCO, um, uh, basically my NCO shadowing instructor, Sergeant Pugh, uh, Mass Sergeant Pugh now. And he was prior Marine. Um, and he told us the story, the stories of how the core was similar to what you guys are talking about. Um, and it, it shed a lot of light because, you know, if I fast forward to when I was getting ready to go to my PME for ALS, having to do, do it, the books or do the, not even virtual, just having to do the books and then actually get an opportunity to go there. Now, I fast forward and I'm, I'm at NCOA and talking to some of the people that did the old course. And at the end of the course, at the end of NCOA, they're like, man, this was so much beneficial because we got the opportunity to actually network. Because at the end of the day, one thing that in one thing that I will do in recruiting or at the 109th is something that somebody at Whiteman Air Force Base active duty is going to do completely different. How I deal with my subordinates or how I deal with brand new airmen that are coming in is going to be completely different than what somebody in San Antonio is going to be doing. But having these professional development that I'm going to use your word, Chief, you said dinosaurs have created. So don't, <laughs> that you guys have created has been phenomenal for us because it allows us to get outside of our comfort zone and be able to network with the total force concept. Uh, the time conference, we didn't get the opportunity to have the Army there, but doing our um, working with our Army counterpart, especially when COVID happened, and sharing the information about how you can join the Air National Guard, how you can change your career if you have said bad supervisor or you have a good supervisor and you want to propel and bring the knowledge that you have in maintenance and bringing it to operations or take that knowledge or the experience that you have that leadership style and take it from maintenance and maybe bring it to security forces. Don't be afraid to just be at a standstill. We, we are very, very fortunate to be in an organization that we are, we are very encouraged of helping people find where they belong. You know, you might come in and you might wanna be, you might wanna do security forces. And then down the road, you might talk to somebody in age and find out that the job that they do is where your talent and your skill set is supposed to be. Um, and I, we're very, very fortunate. So unfortunately, I didn't, through my career, I've been very, very fortunate to have supervisors and leaders that have created this road for us that 
it's every t- every day you hear professional development, professional development, professional development. So I've been very, very fortunate. And that information that I, I, I have and the training that I get, I disseminate that to the brand new people that I bring in. You know, I when I sit somebody down, I'm not just talking about the college courses. I'm not just talking about the tuition assistant, right? I talk about how as soon as you graduate basic training, you are enrolled in the community college of the Air Force. You don't have to do that if you don't want to, right? You could go outside and maximize the, the 100% tuition assistant that we have to pay for your, for your college. You, if you don't want to do that, you can take that, that certifications that you get from said shop that you work in to go on the civilian side. We, we want you to go do that, right? What organization in this world can say, I'm going to pay you, train you to the best of our ability and come back home and still train you and take that knowledge, take that skill set, and go be a better person in the civilian world. And all we ask for is just come back and bring that knowledge to our full-timers and our young airmen that are coming in. Um, so it's it just it's it's gone to show it's been a like Chief said it. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't get to experience the hardships that you guys went through, but I'm experiencing the the fruits of your labor that you guys set for us. And for that, I am so grateful. And I think I might, I can speak for all the airmen that are here now that are experiencing that. We're very, very grateful for the path that you guys have, you guys have laid for us because it's, it's been, it's, it's phenomenal and it's just going to get better from here on. I think so. And uh, I appreciate those insights a lot, Sergeant Freeman. And, and you bring so much to the table just from your short period of insights. Uh, one reason that I know our future is so bright, and this goes back to something that we did, Chief Richardson, not too long ago when we went to the command chief course. So uh, on gradual, uh, one of the things that we do at the command chief course, uh, Sergeant Freeman, is we go to BMT graduation. And then after BMT graduation, we go and we tour the barracks and we talk to the training instructors and we see behind the glass door. I go back to boot camp in 1983, United States Marine Corps, where it was yelling sand fleas, the sand pit. Pretty much if you watch Full Metal Jacket, not too far off the mark. All right. This is not how we train our modern force. And thank God. There is no, to me, rite of passage. We are doing it right. And and these, these young men and women coming out of BMT are so much further advanced than we were back in our dinosaur mentality and are ready to tackle the world. And by having good leadership like you, Sergeant Freeman, and, and you know, Chief, you are setting, uh, setting the table. You guys set the, the climate. Uh, all we do at our level is we try to set the climate, and it is up to the Sergeant Freemans to execute and to develop these airmen. And I think our future looks looks bright. I think that we are accelerating our change and we ain't going to lose. I think, I think we're already winning. Uh, so thank you for both for sharing that. But one of the things we always are doing is this continuous process improvement plan. We're always trying to improve whatever. We're always tinkering with trying to make something better, whether it be our environment or ourselves. So now we're going to go back to self. What are some things that you are doing as an airman and an individual to to improve yourself right now. Uh, Sergeant Freeman, start with you. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I'm currently doing right now, um, just take it in the footsteps of yourself, Chief, and uh, Command Chief Richardson, is that um, this podcast that you guys have created. Um, I think as an International Guard, as an organization, 
a lot of times we we look at ourselves as, and I, I think one of your podcasts, you said it earlier, uh, uh, Commander uh, Sullivan, that I do this mission and I could do it better. And this is why I do what I do. And this is me. Um, but that's not true because the total force concept is there are other bases that can do what you do. Um, you have to be willing to embrace that, that back in the day, yes, that was your identity, but now that's not, that's not the case anymore. We are a total force and that total force concept doesn't just include air force, uh, all the air components. It mean, that includes army, Marine, Coast Guard, Space Force, right? It's a, it's a whole DOD ent enterprise. So with what you've been doing with this podcast, for both of you, um, we and at the 109th, we want to kind of set foot and start following your footstep because this brand identity that we need to create for the Air National Guard, it doesn't just happen with recruiting, right? Just the individuals that are in the shop, it's everyone that is in our organization and now like you said earlier with TikTok, social media that's how these young adults or young kids are getting their information it's not through billboards it's not through radio it's not through television it's through social media content so with yesterday we had a we had an event with um with ngb for recruiting and we got other recruiters to talk about what they're doing differently and stuff like that. And I think these platforms allow us to be able to bring other recruiters on a regular basis instead of doing an annual conference or doing a quarterly conference. But having something like this allows us to be able to brainstorm and put our heads together and see, OK, how can we get this wonderful organization that we have to these young adults that are out there that are coming into life? and don't know what they want to do. So what at the 109th, what we're trying to do is basically just following your footstep and creating something similar to this um, to bring recruiters and other entities involved so that we could talk and have them share their story, but not just from a recruiter standpoint, but just as an individual standpoint. Thank you for, uh, for that. I love the insights, I do. Uh, Sheaf, same question. What are you working on? Well, let's see. <laughs> you know, my my development literally, you know, comes from giving back to others. And, you know, you just mentioned about uh, previously, uh, Chief Sullivan, about the uh, command chief uh, orientation course um, that I was um, fortunate to be a facilitator. Uh, facilitator, um, and prior to that, I was a facilitator at the at the chief orientation course. You know, so my and I learned so much every time I'm, I'm doing something like this and I put myself out there. I learn so much. That's part of my self growth. That's part of my development. It, it, you know, so by me giving back, I'm also receiving that you know information as well. I'm finding out something new about myself. Um, that, that I didn't know before. I'm finding out new information uh, that I didn't know before just by being out there and being on a national level. So um, it, now I've transitioned, um, not part of the command chief course anymore. I've transitioned to uh, EFAC, uh, Enlisted Field Advisory Council. Um, I'm the uh, Region 1 alternate, along with uh, another fellow state command chief of New Jersey, uh, Chief Mike Bacarcus. 
Um, so, and once again, that's another opportunity for me to learn, uh, for me to grow, um, you know, and, and for me uh, to actually work on myself. Um, I'm an avid um, uh, reader. That wasn't always the case. Um, I didn't, I, I usually didn't like books, but now I, I like books. I definitely like audio books, um, you know, because once again, um, you know, if you're driving in the car for 35 minutes, um, uh, you know, uh, to and from work, you know, that's 35 minutes of uh, time that you can be uh, learning something. So um, one thing I try to focus on is um, at the beginning of each year uh, is to reflect. Uh, and I don't think we spend enough time uh, reflecting uh, on your um, past achievements, you know, from uh, previous achievements from the last year. Um, most of the time, because of our ops tempo, we just kind of glaze over it and we just go right into the next thing, you know. So I do take the time, you know, uh, once a year to to reflect, uh, reflect on the lessons that I've learned, um, reflect on, you know, the achievements of the past year, what I was grateful for uh, from that from that past year and also how I've grown, uh, you know, in that past year. You know, and then after the reflection piece, um, I, I focus on releasing, uh, you know, because not everything was a success, you know, that past year. Um, I failed at some things, you know, I've had some setbacks, you know, during that past year, um, but I have to accept them in order for me to release them. Um, you know, and then um, it's about renewing, uh, it's about renewing, it's about uh, creating, you know, what's next for that upcoming year, like example for 2022, you know, uh, what, um, what am, what do I want to create, you know, for uh, the New York State? Uh, what what do I want to uh, renew? I want to build off of the successes, you know, that we've had, um, and learn, you know, from from the mistakes, you know, of, of last year, of course, and be intentional about it. So, um, so reflect, release, renew, and create. Um, you know, to me, that's a huge part of, of my development. That pause was me writing down some more stuff. Like I said, every time, every time we do, and that is one thing that I am guilty of. I don't take the time to reflect. You always feel like you got to go 100 miles per hour in in you know one direction, and you always got to be giving more, giving more, giving more, giving more. Uh, but not taking the time to reflect, release, renew, and create. Uh, that that's another great take home. You know what I. I think we're going to have to end on a high point because I could just sit here and talk to you both for, you know, for hours. I mean, this is just really good stuff. And I know we've brought some value to our listeners. So do you have any final thoughts or wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm going to start with you, Sergeant Freeman. Um, yes. So we're just with the, we're staying on topic with leadership and professional development. Um, that's, that's young airmen coming in. We shouldn't be afraid to reach out to our senior advisors and our even our officers, right? To ask that story. How did you get to where you are, right? What did you do? What What is your story? Uh, we should always be curious of you know the people above us because someday we are going to be we are going to be that next that next supervisor, um, and we should be willing to get outside our comfort zone and also be to embrace the total force concept. And I think that total force concept is not just, like I said earlier, with the Air Force, it's with all the other DOD enterprises as well. So 
I um, just my piece of advice is as young airmen, we should be willing to get out there and just find that mentor, find that story, um, get to know the why. And also from the senior senior level, just like Karanchi Ferguson said, try to teach your airmen because every airman is different the way that they learn, the way that they understand things. Um, so just try to really get to your know, know your airmen and really empower them and really take in effect what uh, the chief staff of the Air Force has put out there to really empower that and embody that with our airmen. Thank you. And Chief Richards, same question. Anything you want to yeah. add? Yes. Hey, thank you. Um, hey, Chief, thank you again uh, for the invite and allowing Sergeant Freeman and myself uh, to come, come over and uh, be a part of your podcast. Uh, uh, this has been uh, fun. Um, it's been enlightening. Um, and I think I said it before, before the, uh, the cameras were rolling, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm already a winner because I got to be with Sergeant Freeman today and, uh, and see his lovely smiling face. So, um, so, so thank you very much for having us both on, both on um, and for this opportunity. So, uh, you know, if I can leave with anything, um, uh, I'm going to leave uh, with a, um, an acronym that I use uh, constantly. Um, it has guided me uh, through my career um, and it will continue to guide me, you know, through my life as well. Um, and that acronym is ACT, uh, A-C-T. Um, and it's something that I've always um, that I've always done. And, you know, the A is for uh, being authentic, uh, being yourself. Uh, you know, we we are here. We're serving. We're wearing these uniforms because we are people of high character. You know, so you know, we need to continue to focus, you know, being being yourself and, and being authentic, you know, and not being so hard on yourself as well. You are going to make mistakes. You know, mistakes are going to happen. Uh, you know, but we what we do is that we we focus on our strengths um, that, you know, but we uh, we identify our weaknesses, but we focus, you know, on our strengths. Uh, the C is for clarity. Um, you know, we have to be able to define clarity, at, you know, and at all parts of the organization. And you define clarity by defining reality um, and creating hope. Uh, and the T uh, and something that's near and dear to me is uh, trust. Um, you know, building those trustful uh, relationships with all levels of leadership, uh, with your commanders, with your peers, uh, but definitely uh, with the airmen that's entrusted, uh, that you're entrusted to lead. Um, and you, uh, you create that, that trust relationship where you build those trustful relationships by delivering over and over again. Um, and as soon as that commander, that peer, that airman uh, thinks that it, it's impossible, uh, you deliver again. Uh, so, um, so once again, uh, thank you again uh, for allowing uh, Sergeant Freeman and I uh, to, to be a part of something that's uh, special. Um, and, and folks, if you haven't uh, listened to Chevron's, um, I highly suggested that you, um, you make this part of your, uh, your podcast playlist. And I have to echo the same for Journeys Through Leadership. It, it's, there's a lot of excellent podcasts out there, but uh, that's, that's, rapidly become one of my favorites because of all the takeaways. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both. Uh, Sergeant Freeman, it's been an honor. I'm going to try to steal you and put you on my staff. Uh, sorry, Command <laughs> Chief, but uh, we've already discussed this, so uh, yeah, this is probably going to happen. But no, all kidding aside, uh, I, I appreciate you. We got a ton of value out of this, and it, I, I, I look forward to many more engagements and meeting you in person, Sergeant Freeman. Thank in you closing, very much. Thank you. And in closing, 
I just wanted to use a quote that came to mind while we were talking, and it's from Aristotle. And it says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. So go out and be excellent. Thank you all. We will be looking forward to having you next episode. Thank you for listening to Chevron's.